Well, good evening, LCM. Tonight is June 9th, 2021. And how can we not reflect on the sermon and the powerful events that took place just last Sunday? Anybody here on Sunday know what we're talking about? Yep. Man, on Sunday there were men and women being born of the Spirit, being born of the heavens for the very first time, experiencing their step one, their day one of remembers right here in this very sanctuary. Oh, and there's more. Others were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about some receiving an initial infilling of the Spirit, and many of you in this room right now were being baptized in the Spirit again. I mean, knowing the Father and is leading even better as a result of that infilling. And then at the conclusion of the service, we went outside and had a water baptism. Yeah, we did. I mean, I couldn't be more proud of you guys here. And I think my wife is in the back with the kids. I could not be more proud of my wife. I just want to say it again and put it on record. I'm so very proud of of this entire group of people who were able to stand before your family and declare adult kind of grown-up decisions of actually being transformed by, the, by God himself, along with having evidence of power over sin and the pledge from a clean conscience yeah. towards what God has for us. Yeah. Oh, man, did you guys know, have you noticed a transformation in Rhett? I mean, it's like we've known the guy now for about 10 years. His face is radiant, glowing, and evidence that God is transforming him. Look, what, what preceded these glorious events on Sunday was the actual sermon itself. So do you remember last Sunday's sermon on step seven? Yeah. Yes. Okay, I'll make sure. So how we are to journey through each remember, arriving back at the same position but now, knowing him, the Father, better was what we were aiming at. Our sermon series has been aiming at the whole time at securing you as sons. Isn't that what we attach to the title each time? Remember secure sons? Has it been making you a secure son? Well, let's revisit a passage that we covered on Sunday. Let's all turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 22. Everybody say, secure sons when you get there. Some of y'all were saying that in faith. I can hear the pages turning. Yes. Or you're in our one note. <laughs> we're just, you're either in our one note or you're just saying it by faith. Luke 15 and verse 22. <laughs> All right, it says this. But the father said to his servants, quick, quick. Hurry up, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Yeah. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is yeah. found. So they began to celebrate. Come on, has anybody got reason to celebrate in this house? Yeah. What a powerful example of the father here in this parable. Rightly put, this parable is not about the prodigal son. It is about the faithfulness of the father. Yeah. The father who ran to meet his son, who threw his arms around his son, the father who kissed him and then put on his hand a signet ring, sandals on his feet, and the best of the robes that they had. That's the kind of father that you and I have tonight. 
Have you been remembering and reflecting on that kind of father in our lives? See, it is ever meant to increase us as sons as we focus on the faithfulness of our father. We're going to reflect on that tonight. We're not just going to remember it on Sundays. We're going to conclude our reflection series as we reflect on this very principle. As we went through that passage in Luke 15, did it move you when we walked through it? Did you see clearly the character of the father and how he ran to his son when his son was a long distance away? And all of the lavishing that he did upon his son once he arrived. Well, looking at this passage, there's also some other things that we wanted to point out. Look, the father rejoiced. There was a celebration that occurred because of this. He rejoiced that his son was dead, but is now alive. He rejoiced in the fact that his son was lost, but now he is found. And because of that resurrection and finding of his son, he said the best phrase of all. He said, let's have a feast and celebrate. What a better way to commemorate, commemorate resurrection power. When you receive a son back from the dead, let's eat and celebrate this goodness. The verse concludes with, so they began to celebrate. This statement is rich. It's full of meaning. And it hit me in a completely new way as we're reading it today. They. When you have the idea, the imagery and picture in your mind, they. What I've always pictured is a large banquet. People everywhere, feasting, gathering together. Well, they is not only the father and the members of his household. It's the father reunited with his now alive and found son. The father is sitting next to the son. And they're joined and reunited. They're arm in arm sitting at a table feasting and celebrating a resurrection power. Life from the dead that's happened. We can't miss the whole point of what's happening in this transformation is that there was a celebration for the son returning back next to the father. What should erupt out of us is that same joining of celebration. Here's why. There's no more loathing. There's no more self-pity in the son. There's no more wallowing in the mire of despair. That's where he was, but that's not where he is at this moment. Oh, it's time to celebrate the goodness of our Father tonight. Y'all going to celebrate with me? Yeah. Well, John Dang and Joy Dang are having a son. Yeah. We are being transformed into a son. Come on. A secure son. Come on now. Take a look at this slide just to remind you of how good our Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh really is. He is a compassionate God. He is gracious, slow to anger. He is abounding in love. He's abounding in faithfulness. He is maintaining love and he is forgiving wickedness. There's so many things that we could say about this one slide, about this one passage of scripture. The thing that I want to point out to you for this moment right now is the fact that these are all in the present tense. He is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. Thank God. Can anyone say thank God? Thank God. I mean, we had an incredible day on Sunday. 
We had a fantastic evening on Monday. And can I tell you that I still need him to be slow to anger to me today? Yes. He is abounding, currently abounding in love. He is currently, right now, trying to interact with you and demonstrate to you that he is abounding in faithfulness. How do you know when he's faithful? Because you've been unfaithful and you need him to operate in this very characteristic. He's able to maintain in an ongoing way love with us. He is maintaining. He is able to forgive and is forgiving wickedness. Church, when you start thinking about the faithfulness of the Father, when you start really understanding who he is. See, God has given us an entire series, seven weeks now that we can remember his faithfulness. And as we're doing that, it's securing each and every one of us in here. We're going to circle back around tonight and reflect on our father-son relationship. And we're going to look at the cyclical nature of how our father secures us as sons. Now, the slide that you have there is not new information. Can everybody agree? Yeah, but we need to keep cycling back around to it. That's what makes this ever more powerful is when we keep coming back to the principles of our faithful father. All right, so help me out here. I got glasses on so I can see up close, but it's hard to see far away here. At the 12 o'clock position where it says step one, what does it say after step one? First day you stood in his presence. That initiated a journey. And that journey progressed to step two. And what does step two say? Wait, wait, wait. Y'all messing it up, man. What do you mean? You brought me out of there. How have we been saying this? There we go. That's what I want. Okay, check. Got that one. We go on in the journey to step three. Now you know what to do. Read it. Oh, y'all are getting it, man. That journey continued in step four, how the Lord your God led you for how many years? All of them. All these years. For Israel, it was 40, but all of our years as well. Step five, remember that the Lord gives you the ability or the koach. Okay, about like two people actually got the Hebrew pronunciation right. We're going to try this again. I want to really hear that at the end. Don't, don't elongate. That's kind of weird. All right, the Lord gives you the ability or the koach. Yeah, yeah, yes. Y'all are making me proud tonight. And so confirms his covenant with you. Step six, remember how someone else provoked the Lord. No, read that for me after step six. You've been rebellious, right? And it comes full circle to step seven, saying, Lord, Remember me. Overlook our stubbornness, my stubbornness. Remember that we are your people, your inheritance, a sign of your ability to transform. But what is the central point to it all? Oh, come on, I ask that again. What is the central point to it all? Man, hasn't God been revealing himself to us in increasing measure? And then by going through this again and again, as many times as it takes, we get to know our Father better. That makes me secure. When that's our central aim, we need to view this as an ongoing cycle by which we get to continually know Him better. 
This is a testimony of God. It's not a one-time act. It's a perpetual cycle. Say that with me. Perpetual? Perpetual. Cycle. Well, tonight's sermon is reflection day seven, perpetual cycles of secure sons. It's time for us to reflect on the Sheva, the seventh step in the Remember series. So turn with us to Deuteronomy chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse 27, Deuteronomy 9, 27. Somebody say secure sons when you get there. Sheva. I like saying Sheva. Deuteronomy 9, 27 says this, remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Overlook the stubbornness of this people, their wickedness and their sin. Otherwise, the country from which you brought us will say, because the Lord was not able to take them into the land he had promised them, and because he hated them, he brought them out to put them to death in the desert. Man, Moses is focused, and he's got a, a, a keen sense of what is important in this. By the way, in verse 28, he's saying, the country from which you brought us. He's not even going to say their name, because their name is not the important name. His name is not the important name. What's important is focusing on the actual character of who God is. Yes. Look at verse 29. But they are your people, your inheritance that you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. See, Moses understood something, that here at LCM and the churches of the One Association, we are getting this now. We're yeah. just barely getting it, and we're asking God to keep working it into us, because this is all about his testimony. Amen. Man, we are working our way to understand that we really don't even have a testimony. It's really all about his testimony being worked into us. Yes. Man, as we continue to focus on that, that's going to do something on the inside of you. That's going to help secure you as a son. Lord, we are, in fact, your people. We are your inheritance. God is going to inherit a product, namely his people, his inheritance. Lord, you have miraculously transformed us to begin with. Anybody been miraculously transformed in this place? Yes. Yeah, I can see it on you. And with your testimony, Lord, is that you continue to transform us throughout the journey that we're on. It's not a one-time stop. It is a perpetual cycle of what God has for us and is doing inside of us. Amen. Let's continue with chapter 10, verse 1 in Deuteronomy. At that time, the Lord said to me, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones and come up to me on the mountain. Also make a wooden chest. I will write on the tablets the words that were on the first tablets, which you broke. Then you are to put them in the chest. Because since Sunday, who's been experiencing the Lord reinscribing his word on the tablets of your heart? Man, that, that's transformed my daily engagement with God. The beauty of this is that it's his testimony inside of you. As many times as it takes, the tablets of your heart are being brought back up to the mountain to him. And he will re-inscribe you with the same words, with the same spirit, the same power that you experienced on day one. Only now you know him better. You are more secure as a son. And look, it's true. You broke them. 
You did it. It's, it's your fault. But that's not the part that builds his testimony that is stored inside of you. His testimony is built as he reinscribes the tablets that are now stored within the center of your being, yeah. within your chest, your lead. This building of his testimony was seen in how the Lord instructed Moses to lead the people in the perpetual cycles of the feast themselves. Before we put up the slide, before we do that, we're going to connect some dots here for you about what these remembers have been. I just want to make sure that everybody's with us. We're like, man, Sunday was incredible. I personally think that was one of my favorite services, maybe ever. Maybe ever. I thought it was that good. So what do you do now on a Wednesday? We just start coasting, right? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what we do is we learn how to continue to do exactly what we saw on Sunday. We do it every single day. We continue to come back to him. We continue to work our way through because in the cycle of these remembers, in the cycle of some of the connections that we're going to make tonight, he is transforming you. He is building his testimony in you, and that doesn't stop. It's got to keep going because uh, we can't stop and we won't stop in what God's doing. Now, let us help you make you some connections. See, this is not just about the remembers. This is not just about the seven remembers in the book of Deuteronomy. This is about a bigger picture that we want to help you reflect on tonight. Somebody say, I'm ready to reflect. I'm ready to reflect. Now, let's go to the slide. You can take a look and understand that as God is working his way and teaching his people about remembers... Not surprisingly, that he's also doing this and connecting the remembers as, as in the feasts as well. Let me help you while you're taking your pictures here. The day you first stood in the Lord's presence, that is just like and commemorated yearly in the festival in the Feast of Pesach. The day that the death angel passed over you. The very Feast of Passover that was there. That is reminiscent of the day you first stood in God's presence. Because what happened when you first stood in God's presence? That death angel just passed over you. You were like the sun in Luke 15 where you were lost and now you're found. You were dead and now you're alive. And that's just the first one. It goes on to the second remember in a parallel. Being that you were a slave and he brought you out. And that is directly coupled with Chag Hamazot or the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That you were once a slave to the leavened lifestyle of sin. And what you're being delivered into in a single day is a life that has been removed of that leaven of sin. The house has been cleansed. It's been searched through. And it's been made clean before God. In the third feast, it's Yom Bikurim. It is the feast of firstfruits where you would take something that had just been produced, the first that was a sign of that which was yet to come, and you would wave it and say, we have the first fruits, and we know God has given us this, and he will give us moreover exactly what we're waving right here. See, that's the way that God is doing this, in a, in a remembering kind of way, in the feast kind of way to say, this is the first fruit. I remember what God did to Pharaoh. I remember what he did to them, but I know that if he did it then, he'll do more and more Amen. and more over in my life. He will send a hornet. Anybody had a hornet lately in your life stirring up some things? Yes. That's not designed to shake your confidence. That's designed for you to remember and go through this process so you become more secure. Amen. That you become more of a son than what you were before. 
Oh, talking about becoming more secure, look at the fourth remember, how the Lord your God led you. It directly correlates with Shavuot or Pentecost. The security in being filled and led by his spirit. That Pentecost day, there was an outpouring and the church and what we get to experience with the book of Acts is that ongoing leading of his spirit, bringing us empowerment to go gain the promises that God gave us. The fifth feast is called Yom Teruah. It's the day of trumpets. It's when an announcing that comes. In modern times, you might hear it called Rosh Hashanah, but this is an announcement, a proclamation. How are you going to proclaim anything with your life unless he gives you an ability to do so? Unless he puts his word on the inside of you and trains you, then your entire life becomes able to trumpet forth, to declare forth what God has been doing, and it's in an ongoing way. Amen. Oh, number six. The six, remember how you provoke the Lord. That couples directly with Yom Kippur. Man, that one day out of the year that the high priest would go behind the veil, stand before the mercy seat of God, and ask for the mercy of the faithful father. You know that we've been stiff-necked. You know that we've been rebellious all year. But we need your mercy right now, O oh Lord. And it will be poured out. And atonement would be made in a single day for the entire nation because of his faithfulness. The feast of Sukkot that the world might come in and see because God deserves to have that kind of inheritance and an inheritance that is a yeah. from every tribe, from every language, from every nation. That's exactly what Revelation 7 says. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the lamb. They were wearing white robes. They were holding Palm branches, which is exact, exactly what you do in the feast of Sukkot itself. They were crying with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Church, these yearly feasts were designed to help his sons remember, help his sons recount and relive and retell of God's faithfulness. It's through this ongoing cycle that you become confident that he is the God that transforms you. He's transforming you, and he will transform you. He's continually reinscribing, continually transforming you as many times Yay, as man. it takes so that you are a testimony of his greatness at work through you. Mm. The remembers along with the feast utilize the ongoing perpetual cycle of securing sons so that we are transformed into what he is. Mm. It's during the perpetual cycle that secure sons actually know him better. Somebody say secure sons. Secure sons. Look, as we're walking on a journey of continual transformation, we can remember where we started in this whole series. Namely, the disciples didn't have a commitment problem. You guys remember that? They had a weakness problem and they needed transformation to solve it. Their problem was that they had an ongoing need for transformation rather than the need for accommodations. Remember, Jesus said of them that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So let me just read to you Mark 3, 13. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed tw uh, 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Look, each of the 12 
were specifically picked because Jesus wanted them. Does that bring security when you're picked? Yeah. Go back to those days of dodgeball and you're waiting to be picked. Yeah, your I'm, first or I'm second, still waiting. <laughs> I'm still waiting. It's because you got an arm like a rocket, man. Each of the 12 were chosen to be with him. Each of the 12 came to him, and that required them to leave everything. So was there a commitment problem? No, there wasn't a commitment problem. At the moment of their calling, or even years into it, you have to remember that they were not yet what they will be. They were in process. You are in process. God called you here to be here because he wants you. We want you here chosen to be with us. And we understand that it's an ongoing process. Failures, even the failures in the garden of Gethsemane aren't fatal because our God, our father is faithful. Y'all remember that he knows that we need ongoing transformation for us to become exactly what he is. Church, we want you to really take in this truth. It's one thing uh, to know, for instance, some of the incredible teaching that this church has about, you know, say like an Abigail and the ball card. Man, it's one thing to know about it. It's another thing to actually practice it in an ongoing kind of way, huh, Timothy? Huh, Olivia? Like in an ongoing kind of way so that it's actually producing fruit in your life. See, it's one thing for us to go through a remember series, and then if we walk away and don't do it, then it was just a series. But that's not who we are. See, once you start putting these into practice and understand that it is through the perpetual cycle of doing this again and again and again, running to God for transformation again and again and again, never accommodating our our weaknesses, never accommodating our sins. We repeatedly go back to the Father, and He continually re-inscribes the tablets of our heart, and that causes us to become exactly what it is. We become transformed through the process of going through this over and over and over again, and that is what secures us as sons. Mm. Look, I want to read something to you how Paul addressed uh, this very issue. So you'll remember, you will remember 2 Corinthians three eighteen. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed. Are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Now recognize who he's speaking to. He's speaking to men and women who have been credited with the father's righteousness. But are being transformed into his likeness. And the result is that there's ever increasing glory and it's only achieved. Listen to me closely. It's only achieved by the reliance and dependency on the father through his spirit. This means that by ever increasing glory, it can occur inside of me because of his perpetual cycle to secure me as a son. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says this, therefore, we do not lose heart. Amen. Hey, everybody look up at me for a second. I'm going to let you look down at your Bible here in just a minute. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Part of becoming a secure son is that you're not only ever 
vacillating roller coaster ride of today I'm doing great, in a great service I'm fantastic, and then within hours I'm already starting to lose heart that I can't do what was just said. That since Sunday, some of you, I can feel it in the room, we've had difficulties. You've had struggles that are going on. And you're like, that was really good, but now we're on Wednesday. Now what do I do? Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. That means you don't get to take a day off of having to be renewed. You can't be like, man, yesterday was awesome. I was right with God. You know what you have to do today? Go back and get right with God again. You have to be renewed day by day by day. It does. You don't get to take time off. You don't get to retract from what God is doing because then you start losing heart. You think you need time to pull back and rest and collect yourself. What you need is to press in to the perpetual cycle and allow God to transform you again today. Anybody come up to the realization it's more than just every day? Like you need them like every hour? You need them more than every hour? You need them just as often as you can get to there? That is what this process is. The renewal is day by day. It's an ongoing process. This is what it means, by the way, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. He gives you both the desire to do what's right and then the ability to do it. It sounds like Paul is is speaking to the Philippians there and he is teaching them exactly what he learned from the remembers. See, there's also a remember to a familiar, daily, ongoing process that we want to make the connection with from our remembers. Let's put up the next slide. The tabernacle. Is that familiar to you guys? A daily part of your life, praying through the tabernacle, experiencing it. I mean, look at this. Just the Peshat, the plain understanding of step one. Remembering the day that you first stood in his presence. How can that not be the gates of praise? I mean, celebrating that, that feeling that you had of being clean, new, transformed on day one. A reason to celebrate, a reason to praise. But there's more. When you attach the remembers to the tabernacle, you know what step two is? Step two becomes a beautiful place in your prayers. It's not just you offering yet something else on an altar that needs to die. You become so thankful that you, in fact, have a place that you can come and put those things that need to die. See, you can remember that you were a slave and he brought you right out of there. And as you're coming back again and again, you're like, man, you were faithful then and you're going to be faithful now. Thank you, Lord. Man, I hate this part about me, but I get to put it on this altar and I know that you're faithful. I've become more secure as I walk up to the bronze altar because I know in advance when I do this in a perpetual way, he is ever cleansing, ever working, ever strengthening, ever transforming me. Well, remember what it's like moving from the bronze altar to the laver. That there is that statement of remembering what the Lord did to Pharaoh and the moreover transformation that he's going to do in you right then and there. That the works of your hands, the sanctifying of your feet are setting you apart for the further work that God has promised for you to do. Look at step four. As you attach 
how the Lord your God led you all the way with the light, with the brilliance, with the warmth of the menorah as he is leading you. He's proving to you that you're a son. He's securing you as a son, and that's what God does, according to Romans 8, is that those who are led by the Spirit are, in fact, sons of God. He's proving to you that you're a son while he's leading you all the way with his menorah. And step five, the Lord gives you the ability, the koach, to produce dunamis as it relates to eating from his heavenly manna that he has fed you this entire time. He has given you the ability to understand his word, to be sustained and nourished and transformed by the working of his word inside of you. Now, step six may be a little bit less obvious to you, but it's, it's going to be incredible when you get it. When you're at the altar of incense... How is that attached to how you provoke the Lord and how you constantly were rebellious? When you realize that that was your state the entire time and he still wants to partner with you, that he will still receive your prayers as long as you keep bringing them, his goodness, his faithfulness, it never ends. I mean, I was this way all the time, but now I'm getting close to him and he's desiring to speak to me. I can know no longer what I am or what I was. I only care about what he wants. Man, I provoked him. He should rid the earth of me and yet he's getting me closer and closer and closer and he's partnering with me now because I'm an actual son and where does that move to next in the tabernacle behind the veil behind the veil where you have the ark of the testimony or the ark of his testimony that there inside that ark are the reinscribed tablets where we remember that we are his inheritance. We are the sign of his transformation. It is there that we go on a perpetual basis, bringing those tablets to him again and again and again, because it's all about him. It's never been about us. It's been about his testimony that resides within us. Church, the continual process of going through the tabernacle is designed to help you to remember. <laughs> it's designed, designed to help you to reflect, to recount, to recall, to relive God's faithfulness on a daily manner. On a multiple times a day kind of way. Yeah. It's through this ongoing cycle that you become confident that God has transformed you. He is transforming you. He will transform yeah. you. And he's constantly yeah. and continuing to re-inscribe you so that you can have as many times as you need in his presence because he is developing his testimony of his greatness inside of you. See, the remembers along with the tabernacle prayer process, it utilizes this ongoing perpetual cycle of securing sons so that we end up being transformed into what he is. The more that you do this, the more that some of you in this room are, are going through tabernacle prayer. I've seen Ray and Ruby Pena yeah. dedicate themselves to going through this process regularly. And I see what it's doing in them. I see such a testimony that's being built inside of them. They're more than just hosting a home group. Their lives are full of the power. Their lives are full of his testimony. Anybody else in here can see that as well? Yes. See, it's this ongoing process as we commit to it that is, that is allowing his transformation to be seen. Because secure sons 
get to know him better. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right, everyone turn with me to Romans chapter 15, and you're going to say perpetual when, when you get there. Romans 15 and verse 4. For everything, how much, saints? Everything. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they, the scriptures, provide, we might have hope. Do you remember what book of the Torah that all of our remembers come from? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, to teach me the faithfulness of my father, the perpetual cycle of how to become a secure son. That what we have been remembering from the book of Deuteronomy, it has been teaching and instructing me. I've watched it teach and instruct you so that through these scriptures, we might have endurance and encouragement through them to perpetually be secure as sons. Oh, it's one thing to experience security as a son in one day. It's another for that to be a perpetual security that continues on and on. We are called to be secure sons that are filled with hope that we are becoming and being transformed into what our father is. And particularly the word of God written in the past gives us very present help. A very present source of endurance and hope. So we want you to listen to what the psalmist writes, undoubtedly, reflecting on the remembers found in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's all turn to Psalm 86. We're going to look at Psalm 86 in verse 11. Somebody say secure sons when you get there. It's amazing. There are times as charismatics where we're always looking for the next, the new, the, the next revelation, the next uh, sowed bomb that someone can drop. And God is so interested in what he has already told you. Yes, that's a good word. He just sends you right back to what he's already told you. Just keep doing that. I've done it now. I did it one day in a row. Great. Do it again. We went over and got to fellowship with the Sosas last night. We were so blessed. Amazing cooking, amazing fellowship. They are trying to potty train one of their little ones. Yesterday was a tough day. Y'all just need to, after, just stretch your hands towards Lena. <laughs> Yay, they get it right one time. They're not potty trained yet. That is an ongoing process. There might be more parallels to that than I intended at that moment. Psalm 86 verse 11 says this, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness, yeah. not hear about your faithfulness, not comprehend your faithfulness, but that I might rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Can I encourage you, church? Another way that we could say that God is trying to secure you is to give you an undivided heart. 
I can promise you this, that as you get an undivided heart towards him, you're not pulled aside by your own fears, by your own insecurities, by the, by the lack of actual uh, uh, proof of your fears are. You realize that as you focus on your fears, you can have every actual reality against what you're fearing. You can have every bit of information to the contrary. And if you're not careful, if you have a divided heart, you will believe your fears more than having a fear for the name of the Lord. I may rely. Lord, teach me your way because I need to be able to rely on your faithfulness. The problem isn't with his perfect eternal faithfulness. It's me learning how to rely on that faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, God. Mighty God, that you'll give us an undivided heart in this house. Mighty God, give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name and your name only. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart, with all of my undivided heart, I will praise you. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. When he is teaching you and giving you an undivided heart, you are able to realize and let it soak in that his love towards you is great. You've delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. Wait a minute. The psalmist is starting to sound like he's just quoting and thinking through the book of Deuteronomy. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Oh God, ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you. Verse 15, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God. Oh, wow. Slow to anger, wow. abounding in love and faithfulness. Do you hear what the psalmist is doing as he's walking through this? He's saying, I want to rely on your faithfulness. I need to be secured as a son. Lord, therefore, I need an undivided heart. And as I'm thinking through that, I actually go back through exactly what we've been talking about. That our God is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love and forgiving wickedness. See, he starts the list and he presumes that the reader will understand it and finish it because this is what God is doing for us is he is giving us an undivided heart. Don't let that phrase pass by you tonight. Don't let that phrase pass by you of having an undivided heart. That's what God is doing for us as secure sons. Everyone turn with me to Isaiah chapter 25. Say secure sons when you get there. God's word is living. God's word is active. Sharper than a double-edged sword. It's even able to divide soul from spirit. When a secure son is engaging this perpetual cycle of remembers, remembering what God's word actually says, it's able to give you an undivided heart. It's not mixed with anything other than the will of your father happening inside of it. Isaiah 25, one says this, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name for in perfect faithfulness. Perfect faithfulness. You have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. A secure son looks at the father and every event that happens in his life and says, 
I may not know the details of what's going on right now, but I know my father operates in perfect faithfulness. That I am on a journey of a perpetual cycle that is making me into a secure son. I'm going to know my father better when this situation is said and done. How many times has God put you in an impossible circumstance only to display to you his power to do the impossible? That you know him better as a result of that. That's demonstrating his perfect faithfulness to his fathering on you as a secure son. Yeah, that's not God being fickle towards you. That's God being faithful towards you. Yeah. You're getting an opportunity to know him more because you're going to learn how to rely on his faithfulness. Yeah. We are able to look at the scriptures, what was written in the past, and see the character of the father to his firstborn son, Israel. And how that's continued. And we participate and share in that. That we have one life that's changed. That results in one family that's changed. God has been building his perfect faithfulness in and towards us since the very beginning in this church. So let's show another slide to you to show you how our father's been faithful to lead us as a church. So we want to make yet another connection with you here. As we've been walking through the remembers, the day you first stood in the Lord's presence, how can there not be anything other than an actual foundational supernatural transformation that takes place? That is exactly what the Lord has embodied this church to be. That from day one, that we are after a foundational transformation, a supernatural transformation in you. And we care about you enough that we don't want to let you go until you've actually experienced a day one kind of experience. Uh, look at that number two of the LCM core principle, full price. Man, this matches with the second. Remember that you were a slave and he brought you out. God paid the full price for me. And I'm going to reciprocate it by being willing to pay the full price to do as well. The third, remember what the Lord did to Pharaoh and moreover. How is a family not a moreover kind of moment? You understand what the Lord can do inside of you. You know the kind of foundational and supernatural transformation that it took inside of you. But when he begins to uh, multiply that out to your family... Come on, there's something about it in parenting. you got to learn how to, to watch God be the God of your children. Once you start seeing that, that's an incredible. You gotta, as a pastor, you gotta learn that God is not only your God, but He's the God of the family members that are around you. This is exactly what ties the remembers to even the core principles of this very church. Man, number four of the remembers how the Lord your God led you. How did He lead them? A fire by night and a pillar of cloud during the day. This matches with the fiery faith as an LCM core principle. That the fire, the spirit of God that is inside of us is the same spirit that led Israel all those years through the desert. That he will bring us to a good land. He will empower us to accomplish what we can't ourselves. And the fifth, remember, God is one who empowers you and gives you the ability. This ties perfectly with the fifth core principle of a full gospel proclamation. No partial. We're not just talking about raising up a group of preachers. Because in this church, we're doing that as well. We're talking about people who've been given divine ability to be able to understand the word, to be able to understand the full gospel so that we can proclaim it rightly, not only here, not only in our homes, but across this world. The sixth remember is remember how you provoke the Lord. 
Well, this pairs with favor Israel. In the same manner, God's faithfulness to Israel has resulted in favor towards us as well as Gentiles. That we get to join with Israel. They are the firstborn. They are the older brother who has received the faithfulness of the Lord in his favor. And been being secured as a son. And we get to join right with them. God won't refuse them. He won't replace them. And we know that when we walk rightly, we get to join with them. See, that leads us to the seventh. We are your inheritance, Lord. Remember that we're your testimony. Yeah, we're your testimony because what you're doing in us is replicatable all around the world. What you are learning here, what God is doing here, you don't need to change it for a different culture. You bring this culture there and it is able to bring a fountain to the nations, just like what Sukkot is, just like what the throne room is, just like like what God has been doing in each of these places. You got to understand, church, that the continual process of going through the, uh, each of these principles, each of these remembers, is designed to help you to remember, to reflect, to recall, to relive God's faithfulness. It's through this ongoing cycle that you can be confident. Somebody say, I'm learning to be confident. I'm learning to be confident. You can be confident as you go through this cycle again and again that he is transforming you and he will continue to do so. See, because this, it's during these perpetual cycles that secure sons actually know him better. Somebody say secure sons. Secure sons. Okay. Look, once you realize that salvation is an ongoing journey, filled with many perpetual cycles to transform his sons into what he is, then you begin to see that it's your father that's helping you this entire time just to know him better. We have one more chart that compares what's going on with the remembers. Look, we looked at the remembers as a cycle in comparison with the feast comparison with the tabernacle, the core principles of LCM, there is more. Do you want more tonight, church? Yeah. Are you satisfied? Are you done? You're fooled? You know, whatever else. No, let's look at these remembers yet in a new light. See, in this structure, in a chiastic structure, now we can look across in a horizontal way and you realize that the day you first stood in his presence is not only the final step, but it loops you about right back around because the day you stood in his presence is, is letting you know that you can continue to stand in his presence yeah. and that as he is continually working on you, he is transforming you into his very inheritance. What started with a singular day is now an ongoing process, a perpetual cycle, and you are able to become his inheritance. Look, as you drop down that next level, day two, remembering that you were a slave. Man, this parallels to the truth that you've been rebellious this whole time, and yet he has been faithful this entire time. Come on now. What he did to Pharaoh, moreover, what you're learning is that he is able to enable you and confirm his covenant with you, and you understand that those are connected as you're in a perpetual cycle of remembering. He is able to work in your life in very, very powerful ways. And then that brings us to day four. Step four. It's an unparalleled truth that it has been him leading you this entire time. 
the encouragement in this unparalleled truth is this. He has led you. He is leading you. And he will continue to lead you. We just got to keep engaging in this perpetual cycle to know him better. To realize it's by his strength, his hand, his will that he's helping us accomplish it and making us secure sons. When you start really, really putting this into practice in your life, passages like Isaiah 35 just spring to life in a whole new kind of way. We're not going to turn there for time's sake, but you can read through and how that he is going to strengthen those with weak arms with feeble knees. He's going to be able to help you. That that was once a desert land is now full of teeming brooks, of, of yes. streaming water. That once was broken and lame is now able to leap for joy. That what yes. was once mute is now able to sing the praises of God. That those who were blind and deaf are now able to have their sight and hear rightly because of God's ongoing transformational power. See, it's a journey. You're on a highway and only those who have been through the transformational process are going to get to be there. So that means if you're walking on the highway, you know that you are being secured as a son. Look, as one of our final verses for the evening, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 28. First John chapter 2 and verse 28. How do you reflect on something that is so encompassing? How do you reflect on a concept that has so many things that are in, attached to it? This is our 15th sermon in this series. I think that this is the longest sermon series that we have ever had as a church. 15 sermons. How can you wrap up 15 sermons? You don't. You encourage people to continue. We're not Amen. trying to stop what we've just worked for 15 sermons and almost eight weeks to do. Amen. We're trying to slow this down in a way that says we got to get this in our heart more than just understanding it here, more than just being able to reflect part of what we have said, that you actually get it in your heart, that you are remembering, that you are working through this continual process. You've got to continue in him. And that's what First John 2 says. And now, somebody say now. now. Dear children, <laughs> and now, secure sons, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. What is it like? Man, it's one thing if you've done a job and no one else is there to inspect it. There's another level of you know that someone is coming in to inspect your work. There's a whole nother level if the boss man is coming in. This is saying that you can be confident and unashamed before him at the coming of Christ. Does anybody need to grow in some confidence and being unashamed before him? See, he is trying to secure us as sons. You know how I know? You know why I know that this needs to continue? It's because we have more securing to do as a church. We have more of continuing in him so we can become more confident. We can be more unashamed before him, not just on a singular day, but every day. Not just once in a while, but in a perpetual fashion. 
Man, what does that do to us to be able to stand before him, even at his coming, and say, I am confident, I am unashamed. Why? Because I've been continuing in him. He gives me the strength, and he's the one that transforms me constantly. Our Father's been faithful to clearly lead us through these past weeks. It's been transforming me personally. It's been transforming the pastors and elders. It's been transforming you. I can see it. My charge to you today is this. Do not stop. Do not cease in coming back to him daily, constantly, so that he can continue to transform you. We should be filled with gratefulness for the ability to perpetually know him. By the way, this is the solution. You want to you have a solution? Don't you like having solutions? Man, I end up going through the day and end up with more questions than, I, than I've actually answered it a day. There's a solution that we have here for you that will overcome faithlessness. Amen. It will overcome your fears. It will overcome your flaws. I've got a solution. I've got good news for you. I've got the answer for you. The solution to overcoming those things in your insecurity as a son is to be perpetually transformed into a secure son. Which we've spent these days, these hours, these weeks together learning what it's like to be transformed. I have got the answer that you need. It's to be perpetually transformed in his presence. You guys said earlier that you need his ability to be confident and unashamed. The way to overcome what wars against that. Is by faithfully remembering and walking in all seven of these steps that we covered in this series. Your salvation journey is from step one to step seven. Hear me. As many times as it takes. Say that with me. As many times as it takes. Because our father is faithful. Faithful to transform us. Faithful to bring about his character inside of us. Let's all stand to our feet. If you had the most life-changing day of your life on Sunday, praise God, but this is a different day. You now get to cry out to the Lord... Relying on his faithfulness. Making sure that today and right now that there is not, an un, that is not a divided heart that you have. But you're going to ask him. You're going to say, Lord, here I am again. And I'm learning to love this process. I'm going to keep coming back to you. I don't need to fix it by myself. I need to bring it to you. I can't fix it by myself. I didn't start it and I can't finish it. But you did inside of me. We're going to worship together and actually just allow God to do something inside of us again today. We're going to say this is a perpetual process and God, we need you to move in us now. We need you to move. Of course, the altars are going to be open, but I want us to cry out. If you're there in your seat, if you're down here, to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, come and do it again in me. Come build this again in me. I need to rely on your faithfulness again and again. Teach me the perpetual process. Mighty God, we are here before you as your sons. 
Lord, learning, ever learning to be secure sons in your presence. Lord, come in and do it again. Lord, come in and do it again. Fill us again with your presence. Transform us. Lord, we want to be secure sons in this house. Committed. Lord, being transformed and strengthening, never accommodating our weaknesses, but always bringing it back to you quicker and quicker because you are the one that is quick to respond to us with love, with the ring, with the sandals, and begin to celebrate in your presence, God. That is your character. That is your goodness. You are compassionate and gracious, God. You are slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You maintain love, Lord, and you forgive our wickedness. Lord, do it again in this place tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.